Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with an incredible presenter, host, producer, poet, actor, and mentor. So he first burst into the scene in 2012 when he became the newest addition to the hugely successful online platform, SBTV. This is where we got a first glance of how much Northwest London source he really has. Uh, when his first interview for SB with Kelly Rowland went viral. So he then became a regular for all things music and entertainment, regularly interviewing stars like Big Big Stars, Will I Am, Alicia Keys, Trey Songs, Usher, Kevin Hart, Tom Hardy, lots, lots more. But his talent doesn't just stop at making us laugh and finding out good, good music news. He also makes us think with hard-hitting documentaries and current affairs programmes like When Teens Kill, One Punch Killers and more across Channel 5, MTV and the BBC. But most importantly... <laughs> This is a really good friend of mine. And also my TV brother, oh, yeah. my co-host on Sky One's hit show, Jeez. What's Up TV. It's Aaron Roach Bridgman. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever been given such a great intro in my oh. life. Not even my intro into the world when I came out with my mum. That was um, that was excellent. Thank you so much, Rem. Well, Aaron, welcome to the mainstream. Right. So we have to take it all the way back. Yes. I'm really excited to dive. Obviously, we're friends, but I want to dive deep into... How you got to where you are right now, Ooh, this yeah. right moment right here. So um, let's go back. You grew up in Northwest London. Yes. Um, did you know what you wanted to be when you was growing up? Nah, no idea. I think uh, at first maybe I think I think we all thought we were going to be footballers. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> but then, that one leg injury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a, yeah my ankle. It's like the ankle couldn't take it. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I think uh, when we got into music, I think we. I don't know. Did we think we were gonna make? But I think we we were we loved music, so we thought let's tr let's try and see where music will go. Okay. And then um. When you say we, was it a crew? Yeah, I had a crew. Yeah. Oh, of course you did. Oh my God! <laughs> Big up the two Dutty crew, two D. Oh my Lord! They're probably laughing when they hear that. But like um, we started it. It's funny because music now everyone wants everyone to know that they're an MC, right? Yeah. When we started, we kind of kept it as like our little secret, and like we would do our we would do music like weekly. Okay. And then. I think what happened is, is a lot of people started doing music and one of the boys in my crew was like, oh, this is getting a bit fake now. So um, he kind of, I'm retiring. He retired at, like seven at which age? Oh. Like and then so that kind of messed up the whole crew. And yeah. then, um, yeah, I didn't, do you know what? I, I wanted to be a writer. Okay. After that, now I started thinking about university. I did quite well in my GCSEs. I did better in my A-levels. It was never really part of the plan. I didn't know what university was. But when I went to university, I, I started writing for the university newspaper. Mad. I became the first ever black male section editor at the university newspaper at the University of Birmingham. It's called Red Brick oh Newspaper. And then I wanted to be a writer. But then I did a few work experiences with The Times, um, Total Film Magazine, Start Your Business Magazine, slash Start Your Business TV. And I realized that journalism wasn't as dynamic as I thought it was going to be. And so yeah. the journey carried on, but I still didn't know. That's Even mad. That's, and that's like uni. I still don't know what I was going to do, but I... I knew I loved music and I loved writing. Who put uni in your mind? Um, was it a pressure from parents? Like, oh, you must nah, go uni, you know? Nah, <laughs> it, do you know, mm, well, I think what happened is, I think it became something when they, when the grades came in. Okay. Like, because I did, like, I got expelled from school. Like, did you? But man got, but man did got, you? Yeah, but I got 11 GCSEs. So when did the expulsion <laughs> happen? Well, I wasn't really allowed. I was allowed to come in and do my exams, but I wasn't allowed in classes and stuff like that. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah, yeah. It's a mad, it's a mad journey. Like it's, 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 it's incredible. And I remember a lot of it was, I think a lot of, a lot of my grades was probably to, to do with the fact that um, it was doubted of me. Yeah. Like I remember the maths teachers well told me that I'm not going to get like 
any any, any sort of grade in, in maths and I got a B in my maths. I'm I've just, never understood why teachers yeah, have the audacity <laughs> it's mad. to say that. I don't know why. Like, And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to take it upon myself to buy those CGP books and just go ham. And I got 11 GCSEs and then I did my I did my A-levels, I got three Bs and it's like now it's this, this potentiality of university has become a thing. But I'm like, university, what's that? Mad. Like I wasn't even really... Like, but then it became more of a reality, and I said, "Well, do you know what?" I think the reason why I went to university. Yeah. I went to university because I realised that in Northwest London, where I'm from, we had a massive fragmentation where friends had become enemies overnight. Yeah, and I realised that if I stayed in London, I was probably going to get drawn into certain things that I didn't want to be in. So I used university as a way for me to actually go away and do something else, and maybe have a different focus. That's the main reason. That, not, not a lot of people know that. Yeah, that's the main reason why I went to university. That is some real yeah. good forward thinking yeah, and yeah, just yeah. trying to change your life. Yeah. Uh, and leave the city. I went to Birmingham. Yes, you did. Yeah, and yeah. that's where you went to study media, culture Wait. and society. So Wait. that's a degree. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> media, culture neither and society. I. Listen, neither, I was doing electrical, electronic, computer engineering when I first went there. You like saying that, don't you? And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> this is not what I am I'm about. And then yeah, I found this course, which was in the Department of Sociology. And it changed my, my, I think the whole reason why I am how I am now in terms of like the current affairs stuff is probably yeah. because of that course. I'll be real. So, okay, so you originally went to, to uni for a completely different yeah. course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then how long did it take before you were like, nah, drop me out? I did a out. year of that. You and did then a year? I did a year and then um, um, I told the course leader, look, I'm leaving. He was like, no, you should come out staying because I did really well in a, um, in a module called Human Performance. The only module that was, that was remotely human. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Everything else was computer programming, scientific principles, all of that kind of stuff. Like literally I've gone from doing no maths at A-level to doing university level discrete mathematics which is called atomic propositions and logic i was like what the what, what is, is this that? yeah and then um i was like i can't lie to you mate i'm gonna try and find another course because i don't really think that this is for me and so he said it's up to you but i would like you to stay but i didn't stay okay yeah. so okay media culture and society so yeah. when you when you took that did you know what kind of job opportunities that would even offer i was thinking about being a journalist okay that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking, about, I, I want to learn about the media. I want to learn how media works. I want to learn. But reintroduction wasn't really that. My course was more about understanding how society is affected by media and how society affects media and culture, policies and behaviours. And so I, I've gone from trying to be a journalist to finding myself in a very sociological kind of thinking. And I started thinking more about society like certain things that we had in the hood yeah that we thought were like um conspiracy theories i started to realize actually they're real oh wow. like so for certain things like for instance like anyone that knows northwest london will know like the area so i always thought how come like in harsden and like kilburn wills and stonebridge like there's loads of ethnic minorities when you go out to like wembley mm. it gets a bit more less get to harrow a bit less go to watford it's even more or less i was yeah. like right it kind of feels like this has been purposely done university showed me it was purposely done Wow. Like there, there, there was something called urbanization where they yes. just had to try to have all the um, ethnic minorities in a inner city. And then what happens is after the inner city, you have a transitional zone that you go to if you do well enough to make enough money to get out. And then you have the affluent zone, which is where you get to if you have become affluent. And it was made that way to keep people. And I was like, right, and I'm learning this at university. So my mind started going mad. Yeah. I started thinking about society and community. And I started thinking about, well, so what can I do with this knowledge? And and so it kind of started me on a little bit of a journey. <laughs> That's sick. I, yeah. I love that you just stumbled across this, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's so relevant to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad. That's beautiful. It's maybe meant to happen, to yeah. be honest. I yeah. do think that was meant to happen. But also, being in Birmingham, what was that like? Because like, like you said, like, you're a proper Northwest yes. Londoner. Yeah, but we brought that to Birmingham. Oh. And I, I remember one time I was in a rave in Birmingham, they played North Wheezy. <laughs> Bro, like what? they they thought because North Weezy was a big tune. <laughs> like they thought there was something wrong with me. Like because I was going, I was listen. I went off. 
And I remember I had an eye infection as well. So I was wearing my glasses these times as well. So I looked like a madman. I was wearing glasses. Oh I was going off. I was doing all types of gun fingers in the air and making all sorts of miscellaneous gang sounds. Yeah. And they thought this boy is going crazy. But yeah, no, nah, Birmingham is my second city. I love Birmingham with all my heart. People yeah. in Birmingham know that as well because I always try my best to do anything I can do to, um, to, to, to elevate and help Birmingham talents, Birmingham creatives. Um, I was wearing a Birmingham designer today. I I, I, I dressed up for you a bit more. Oh, um, thanks. But I had I had Hoodrich on today. Big up Jay, who's now become a young man who's got his clothes stocked in JD Sports all over the country. And I remember sitting down with him with my best friend who passed away, mm-hmm. and he was telling me, "I've got an idea for a clothing brand, blood. It's gonna start small and then do a little thing, and maybe it could become something." Do, do, do you get me? I was like, "Bro, I wear that. Well, don't, don't worry, I'll wear it. I'll try. I don't even need to wear it no it's more." It's true. Fifty Cent was wearing it the other day. Really? Okay. Come on, man. He's gone. So proud of him. So yeah, Birmingham in my heart forever. I love that city. That's sick. I love that. Well, I mean, you've definitely proven that you're making a name for yourself, Mm. but you turn that from being a writer, editor. When did you decide, like, do you know what? I think maybe I should step in front of the camera. I didn't. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. I started um, writing for a magazine that initially were called UK Chocolate Magazine, but then they changed their name to UK Gents Magazine. Sorry, what? Yeah, because... The reason why is because they used to have um, a lot of the uh, the urban models on the front of their page. like So oh. the, the, the black girls who are more curvaceous that weren't getting recognised on a mainstream level, they, they would be on the front of our magazine. I think I remember that. Yeah, though. but then inside would have like events and music and stuff. And that's stuff that I was doing. And I told him, look, guys, what I think you should do is go to a film premiere and you should film that. Um, and I think it will be um, excellent content. They're like, yeah, that's a good idea. Why don't you come down as well? I was like, yeah, I'll come down there. I've come down there and I've just taken my seat back, you know, and just chilling out. They're like, yeah, yeah go in front of the camera. And I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't do that. Like, and it turned into an all-out kind of argument between me and the guy who um, ran the magazine. Why, why were you against it? Because I was like, I'm, I didn't want to be, I didn't want my face to be seen. Oh, you're so yeah. hood. Yeah, in this <laughs> in this game, it's, it's mad because now the face is everywhere. You got me and like me with Rel, Re, with Rem smiling like all the time. But like when I started, I did not want to be seen. In fact, I used to host shows in a in a cap. Find early footage, you see, you never see me without a cap because I didn't want my full face to be out. Did, yeah. What, like, okay, I'm not like, trying to put you on the spot here, yeah, yeah. but did you like have a record or something? Like, what was that about? Because obviously now the balaclava is a thing. Yeah. Oh, mate. So what was that for you? I then? think for me, it was still trying to keep some level of anonymity. Even though, like, and I, I didn't used to use Aaron Roach Bridgman. I used to be known as Roach, man. Oh, yes, you did, yeah. So, like, it was, but then again, people knew who you know. <laughs> It's mad. I think, for me, it was just, like, me trying to hold on to some sort of anonymity. Um, and not, and obviously, yeah, you know, there were still certain things that were outstanding in the area that I'm from. Okay. People that I was connected to and stuff like that. And it's like, I was just trying to, it's like, this this path was taking me on this on this, on this this journey where I was becoming someone. But I think at the start, I was almost fighting it a little bit. Or yeah. I didn't believe in it. Okay. I think one thing I always say to people is that I was lucky that I had people around me that had who had more faith in me than I had in myself. Yes. And um, I've been there. Even around that time, like I had three ladies that managed me. They hired me to host a show once, and then they started managing me. They were called um the Rouge ladies. There was um Hanny um Red and Marlena. I was a white lady, a Somali lady, and a black lady. They were, oh. they, they were my management team when I first started in this industry, and they they said, "Yeah, we want to manage you." And I was like, "Manage me?" I was like, "Why do you want to waste your time doing that?" Oh. I said that. Like, I was like, I had a job. Like, I was working in a um, renewable energy company. Like, <laughs> and I was like, but all right, cool, if you want to do that. <laughs> and then literally within how long, like, um, they organized a night for me to do that. I did call an evening with Aaron Roach Bridgman where I performed poetry. I did, like, um, a little bit of, like, just general, kind of a bit like stand-up, to be honest. Yeah, um, you, and then you I, have mentioned that yeah, before. Yeah. And then I had, like, people that came and did a few, a few things as well. And I just kind of hosted the whole night. And then... That was organized, and in two twos, I ended up winning the SBTV competition just before that night was supposed to happen. And it was just, and, and this was like 
all happened and, and they were like look so we told you and i was like Rob, what is going on that's like, mad i never knew that this was not part of the plan but i was just rolling with it so when the night with aaron roach bridgman happened now it was like it was a whole different kind of thing because like a celebration of what happened in my career and some people didn't know i was a poet but some people that watched the journey with sbtv would know that i actually won the sbtv position by doing a poem yes i remember you yeah, showing yeah, yeah. me the entry yeah that was, yeah, it was video terrible. for the competition but, was a poet yeah, poem yeah it was a poem no it wasn't entry it was what it was they couldn't choose between the, the presenters and they were like look we're going to give you a minute to to, to, oh. um, to to say something to show why you should be the presenter and i was just like aaron poetry yeah because i was performing poetry before that like, okay so you had you you weren't afraid of the stage you liked performing well I performed, but I was nervous every time. Okay. Like, I, d I used to tour with the LOL show. So, like, right, I've done yeah. shows in, like, Birmingham. I've done other sh other, like, Leeds, um, Watford. Um, and it's weird because I'll be a poet, but I'm coming back. The thing is, I used to do comedic poetry. Yeah. So, um, but it's still pressure because people are coming here to laugh. And now I come to the stage, poet, Aaron Christian. It's like, poet, I don't really want no one to, 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 yeah. to rhyme. I want to be made to laugh. But luckily, I had a few little poems that were quite funny. Some were indecent. Um, it was funny when my mum seen one of them. Like, it oh was, my gosh! But yeah, and so the journey commenced, man. It was mad. Okay, and the hat came off as well. The, the cap eventually yes. came off. Yes, because yeah, we yeah. see the shape up. Yeah, come it's on. It's always looking fresh. Come on, <laughs> hey Billy, let him know. Come on, hey Billy's in the building. Let him know. <laughs> he sees it. That's why I'm staring, staring at it. Come oh on. my gosh! Yeah, get those edges. Come on. So, <laughs> right, okay. I want to go back to the SBTV competition yes, because yes. that is SBTV at the time it was. Gigantic. To be fair, SBTV is still a household name in yeah. terms of like online content and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And but specifically then, oh. they were getting big brand deals. <sighs> they were covering everything. Like you know, you knew they were going to be at the Brits. You knew they were going to be at the Mobos, everywhere. So for someone who wasn't too sure about being mm. a presenter, what on earth possessed you to want to go for this competition to become the face of SBTV? Another fun fact, I didn't do the application. Oh my goodness, are you serious? An Irish lady that I hosted a show for by the name of Nicola. Um, big up Nicola, living in Athlone back in Ireland now. Um, I hosted a show for an open mic show and she was so impressed with how I hosted the stage that she actually did an application on my behalf to the SBTV competition. And that is how I got to it. And she sent like some of the stuff that I did. I don't know if you remember, I used to do that little news flash thing back in the day. Yeah. She sent clips. I never had a show reel, so she sent clips of that. And then I got an email talking about, yeah, you've been selected for an audition. And I was like, what's going on? And it was weird because I remember being in a car with my man and I said to the man, I'm like, listen, like, I said, look, just roll with me because I think something's going to happen. And they were like, Roach, what are you talking about? And everyone calls me Roach. Yeah. They're like, Roach, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, do you know, I think I'm going to like, I think I'm going to try and do something a little bit different. I'm saying, just roll with me in it and support me on this little journey. And they were like, yeah. And then two, I swear to God, it might have been the same journey that I got the email come through about the audition. I think I was on the same journey in the same car. And I was like, raw. And um, yeah, so I just went to the audition. I was the first person to be auditioned on that day. So the first, yeah, the first first person. And I think it's because they were going through the selection process. I had to stay there all day. And then even at the end of the day, they still couldn't choose between me, Jamie, and um, and uh, oh, Sean Sagar, who's now a very accomplished actor. Wow. Um, BBC and all the rest of it. And um, I think Louis Bloor as well, who went on to become a Taui star as well. Oh my goodness. Like it's really interesting because a lot of people who were in that final with me or get down to the last stage, they've all gone on to do quite big things. Yeah. Even um Chris. Chris is now like a sports presenter. It's amazing. But That's um, crazy. Yeah, luckily I was able to like fight my way through and win it because I didn't even know what I was doing, I'll be honest with you. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, you you were kind of pressured into being yeah. in front of the camera yeah. at the event. 100%. You were 
forced to, be, to enter a competition yeah. and then you won it. Yeah. Did you have any kind of presenting training at all? No, um, not at all. But I did have acting training. Okay, so is that helpful? I say to people sometimes, yeah, that uh, presenting, especially when it comes to entertainment, like jovial, jubilant entertainment presenting, is like a combination of acting and journalism. Okay. It's like I think you draw skills from both of those, um, from both of those crafts. And I think those are the two skills that I had experience with. Yeah. Like, um, I was a method actor as well. So, um, Stanislavski, realism. Jeez. Like, I would get very deep into a character. And um, so I, I would study, like, methodical acting techniques from very young. Like, yeah. and um, and I think that, that's not really what to do with presenting. But, like, I think with presenting, I think it's, it's just that being able to get comfortable with uh, an audience or with something, a camera in your face. And also the amount of work you put into vocal yeah like i i, I did a lot of because I, I had a little another fun fact i had a little <laughs> bit of a stammer oh did you yeah i still do to a certain extent if you never listen very carefully i've yeah. never heard it yeah and i had to really work hard on trying to disguise that wow um and that came through enunciation vocal exercises air ooh ah air e ooh ah, that's the thing things there like it's i've mad. never learned that stuff yeah, yeah yeah and people are always like so what do you do to train and i'm like Turn up. Mouth and turn, yeah. <laughs> like, I just turned up. Sorry, I guys. Do, I do it with kids, though. Like the young ones, because especially like being from the kind of areas that we're from, it's like yeah. naturally the way we talk, we don't open our mouth much. True. You know, man, just, yeah, got that go 50 cent. Lick the man, them lines. Go and do. Look, watch my mouth, though. I'm going to go lick the man and see what's getting. Yeah. You know, we don't open our mouth. So yeah. when I do stuff with the young people, I'm like, look, let's, like, we're going to do some stuff where we train our mouths to like say and enunciate words. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Blowing <laughs> your lips out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's mad. That is really mad because I, I do find that at the minute, there are a lot of people that want to be presenters, yeah. but they don't always have the presenting skill. Yes. But 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 saying that, I didn't have any mm-hmm. specific presenting skills. And you're saying you no. didn't have any specific no. presenting skills. And even though we both done media degrees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at no point. What are you doing in universities, man? Yeah, at no point did they teach me how to speak. Yeah. They didn't teach you how to speak. These are all external things we've learned and I you know I just learned from a young age speak properly yeah yeah yeah. do you get what I mean and that's that was my family just telling me what's wrong with you speak properly properly. so Mm. it's interesting that you say that and I'm sure this is useful for other people who may feel like oh but I didn't get Mm -hmm. I don't know how I didn't learn Mm -hmm. so right cool you've joined SBTV They give you the biggest (laughs) baddest (laughs) first interview with Destiny's Child Kelly Rowland. Oh, babes. <laughs> well, yeah, you definitely, you definitely made that an iconic interview. So, okay, yeah. how did you prepare for that, knowing that it's going to be a big, big artist? You know, it's your first one as the official SBTV presenter. There must have been pressure. Yeah, um, it started from the audition, though. I remember oh. walking to the audition and I was like, look, today might change my whole entire life. I don't know what happened, but I got into this deeper level of focus. It's the first time in my life, actually, that I went to an audition or something like that where I actually had full belief in myself. Amazing. Like, I, I, it, all throughout my acting career as well and stuff like that. Big up Sharon Harris Drama Agency and all the actors that came from there. Like, we, some of the biggest actors in, 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 out of the country now yeah. came from, my, from a drama agency that I came from. But those days, I wasn't ready. I would go to auditions doubting myself. You can't do that. But I, I'd had a, a, a belief like and then also when it came to kelly Rowland, now the first thing i was like she's buff yeah yeah no, that, that, that helps as well <laughs> beautiful chocolate <laughs> i do like some chocolate but, um but um i was just like okay boom let me do some research you see me my go-to has always been research yep 
research. I did some research and then, um, and then I, I kind of came up with a little bit of a game plan where I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be me. I'm a bit cheeky. I'm a bit flirty. I'm going to put it on Kelly Rowland. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It just, but it just <laughs> your me. first ever interview, I'm just going to put it on her. That, that's exactly what happened in my, in, in my head. <laughs> and I remember sitting down because I'm in my, I remember being, I'm right. I'm gonna put it on her. <laughs> like, Light bulb. Yeah, like, and then so my questions started to gear towards that. So as you notice, if you watch the interview, I say stuff like, um, well, Kelly, you got a song called Lay It On Me. Uh, what do you mean exactly when you say Lay It On Me? Now, Kelly's a very perceptive woman. Yeah. Very perceptive woman. She she saw what I was doing and she completely flipped it back onto me. And then she was like, well, you know what I mean? They put her legs on me. Yep. Laid it on me. And then I was like, Kelly, um, I heard you like British men. What, <laughs> what exactly do you like about British men? She goes, the way they wear their pants. I said, what? What, like the way I'm wearing? You like the way you're wearing your pants? I said, what, like that? She goes, yeah. I said, you like that? She goes, yeah. I'm like, okay. This is so, okay, audio-wise, yeah. <laughs> this sounds so X-rated. So you guys need to watch the clip, Yeah, you need please. to watch the video. Sorry, no, not to, not to be um, indecent or uh, anything like that. But yeah, and so, do you know what it was? Research. What is Kelly into? What does she do? What's <laughs> happening in her career right now? What is relevant? Um, watching other interviews, what does she seem to be tickled by? Mm. Um, I think the only mistake that I made is I don't think she really liked when I asked her the question about Talisa. Um, oh, because that was because that was quite oh my goodness, a hot topic at the X time. Factor times, X Factor times, yeah. Wow. But I came into this like, do you know, what? I kind of came in on a little. I, it toned down, but I kind of came in on a um, on a Charlemagne kind of like even you know kind of vibe where i'm like let's ask these difficult questions yeah but i soon come to find out that a lot of them don't really like that and i, I don't think we had a space in the uk at the time for it either. Oh, gosh, our no. way of like do, of doing media is not um let's be controversial it's more about uh, uh, pandering to the ego yeah of celebrities but 100 percent. Um, yeah but to answer your question research i didn't really know what i was doing and i used to watch everything back like the amount of times i've watched back that interview and made notes and seen like a lot of people watching and said that's amazing but I, I can see all the uh all the shortcomings all the mistakes all the inaccuracies like i can see it. I, I saw things that people didn't see and i need to be critical of myself and i still am till now i watch my shows back and i'm like mm, that needs to be improved that need I swear to God, it never stops. Wow. It never stops. See, I I try to watch back my things, but mm. there is a point of where I get a little bit creeped out. Yeah. <laughs> it's hella cringe. But you would say it is advisable to always kind of yeah, self- Yeah, you know what? And this is going to sound weird, yeah. Like Kano, yeah. <laughs> One time I heard a Kano interview and he was like, he used to listen back to his sets and make notes on his performance and what needs to be improved. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, that's a mad thing. When I started doing what I was doing though, that kind of came back into my mind. I was like, you know, I need to make notes on what needs to be improved yeah. and really observe myself, even down to expression, expressionism, yeah. uh, physical gesturation, like all of these things, pay attention to them and just see how you can streamline yourself to becoming the best version of yourself as a presenter you can be. Don't be forced, but just watch yourself back and see what looks good, what sounds good and the things that don't, just try to improve them. And there's nothing wrong with that. None of us are perfect. Definitely. I mean, I love that. And I've research, man. Yeah. It's so been my best friend. important interviewing i don't trust wikipedia oh my gosh thank you oh because God. that is the worst level like i could go and edit someone kelly Rowland's whole bio yeah, right now if exactly. i wanted to so yeah guys never do that please be careful, be careful well speaking of research you now produce and present documentaries yeah that's big i'm so proud of you for that as well because they are on massive national platforms channel five the bbc um how did you learn to produce documentaries and especially this is something for young young people that want to get into docu 
documentary making, how do you get them commissioned? Oh boy, that's the hardest bit. But um, <laughs> um, in terms of producing, um, from from the first opportunity I was given, um, I was like a sponge, bro. Like I was just, I was just watching everything, paying attention to everything. Like, uh, what is he doing? What does he do? Like, I realized, I realized from the start the importance of every single member on the team. I I also realized that just because I'm the presenter doesn't mean I'm I am the most important yeah so I was paying attention to everybody what they're doing and so in terms of producing um, I realized that I was producing anyway because I'm always very I was always very much involved yeah. in the narrative and the research and I guess um the overall production of the documentaries that I've done and I think what it is is that naturally I have a lot of ideas I have okay. a lot of ideas and luckily with some of the areas that I've covered I had a lot of relatability so it allowed my voice to be one that had a bit more prominence or at least uh trust in what in what i believe in what i said and i think credibility yeah yeah that's a good one and i think in terms of like <laughs> talking about young people uh, yeah. or people in general don't want to get i think have ideas yeah you need to have ideas okay it's all right to be a mouthpiece if you are but even if you are still have ideas that you're yeah. passionate about genuinely passionate about that are in your mind and that is what leads you to producing but it also leads you to be um taken more seriously as a creative because oh my god no so what ramel's got ideas as well okay cool let's get her in and see what she's um thinking about doing and then getting it commissioned you need to think about all right boom all right so to get a documentary commissioned yeah one thing you need to do first of all is find out from whatever channel it is you're trying to work with what are their steers now steers are the ideas that they're trying to bring to life for their next quarter of the year right. in terms of what um, kind of areas that they're interested in also even without the steers start thinking about things that are happening that you see around the world that maybe not a lot of people know about or that has not been covered a lot. Yeah. Things that are interesting though. And then a very important thing, if you want to be the person who is commissioned to do it as the reporter, presenter, why are you important to that story? Why do you need to be part of that story and that narrative? Think about that. You need to have your... You, and that's why I say find ideas that you're genuinely interested in. Because yeah. if you're just trying to think of ideas that you think are cool, but then there's no relation to you doing it. It's like, so it's about racism in football, but you don't know a thing about football. <laughs> Pointless. And you don't know a thing about racism. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that you can't do it, but where is the hooking for you to be a producer or a reporter or a presenter on this? Yeah. So think about ideas that you're generally passionate about and then think about what is your, what is your hook into this idea? Why should you be used? Like for me now, luckily um, I'm a behavior specialist. Um, that's what I was doing outside of presenting. Like I specialize in dealing with challenging behavior in young adults. So when it came to like one punch killers in terms of antisocial behavior, that's my bag. Yep. I've been punched many times in between kids trying to fight or your teenager trying to fight and you know stuff like that. And I'm the person to mediate and bring it down. Do you know what I mean? So that was my area. I know I know about unfortunately I know about violence, um, yeah. drugs and all the rest of it. So that was my hooking. But then now what I'm trying to do is show them other elements to me to allow me to expand and diversify what I do in docs because you know violence is my thing and you know I'm, I'm interested in the issues that are affecting um society whether it be our youth or whether it be as a whole but I feel like there's so much more to me in terms of who I am as a person and a presenter that I don't want to just be bogged down in violence drama uh, violence uh, crime and drugs definitely and some of the stuff that I'm actually trying to develop right now I think a lot of people will be very maybe surprised and shocked Okay. Like, yeah. That's interesting that you say that because I was actually thinking, how do you make that change and how easy is it to make that change from being, for example, me? Yeah. I've always been known as a music presenter. Yeah. So it's I've very often been boxed in and people say, Oh, you're just the music girl. Yeah. So, you know, 
people are often shocked when I tell them, oh, I do corporate events yeah, and that yeah. kind of stuff. Because they're like, oh, but don't you just interview rappers? And I'm like, wow. come on, guys. Wow. Rip. Small minds. It's very easy when people see you doing stu- similar things or regularly, regularly doing things for them to box you in. So, you know, you came from specifically music. Yeah. And very specifically black music. Come on. <laughs> Not that it's a negative thing, yeah, 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 yeah. but especially before now, like, you know, um, a lot of black artists weren't charting as as much as they are now. Yeah. So we were very urban. We were very underground, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And how was it going into those those meetings and oh, telling them, mate, look, I want to do current affairs. I want to do a documentary <laughs> that will change social and <laughs> like social issues yeah. and society. Were they like, no, nah, you, you're the guy from SBTV? Exactly. Like people don't. Another fun fact as well is that before One, One Punch Killers came about, I was probably pitching um, factual ideas for maybe like a couple of years, you know. Damn. And then I finally got to the stage where one got taken on. I did. I. I don't want to talk too much about it because I might still want to do it in the future. But I'm, okay. I, <laughs> I um I I I I, I started to look at the um job center, and I realized, and I called it um job center a jumble sale for, was it a jumble? I had a cool had a cool little title, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't but, say um, don't yeah, say too much. Yeah, yeah, but like basically, what I noticed is that the job center's treatment of people was horrific. Yeah, and they weren't actually trying to get people to to, to get a job at all like, i remember i went there once yeah. never yeah, again I was, I was like i'd rather be poor yeah why people, yeah but why exactly <laughs> exactly i didn't even know what it was i came out of uni and my friend was like you know oh i can't find a job at the moment she was like are you, are you not signing i'm like what's that she's like you can go to the job center and they help you find a job and they give you a bit of money while you're trying to find one i said that's a very beautiful thing yep i said let me go down to the job center get treated like an absolute second class citizen literally and so i did some research and i found some really powerful stories of people's um experiences with the job center and um london live and darren lawford big up darren mm. big man in the game woodcut media now he's at he's a big man in this um he basically put my documentary into a development stages with Amazing. it to be commissioned and then london live changed their whole commissioning oh. team and development team and changed the whole direction Jeez. and so just when i finally had got one of my factual ideas to get into some sort of consideration it's gone mad um and so but to, to, to go back to your question though very very difficult i would yeah. go into meetings and they're like but why would you want to do things that are serious you do like entertainment and stuff it's like yeah. it doesn't make any sense but you know what's the maddest thing for me rem yeah and I, I don't even know if you know this yeah but i've come from music struggle to do factual yeah and yeah. you know that now that i do factual some of the things that i'm more known for are, are factual you know people can't see me as music anymore what like people are like people don't understand like they're like, oh no but you know you do that it's like now i'm I, it's, it's like i'm not being considered for entertainment anymore people have a very short-term memory yeah, because it was weird. just the other day it's like the thing i can't do it <laughs> I'm like, do you not know my... But at the same time, I can't expect people to know my track record. And that's why WhatsApp no. TV is so important as well. Sorry, I just want to correct. Yeah. They should, as commissioners yeah, they should and know. as producers, I personally feel like it is their job to, to know yeah. who you are, what your background is, what mm. you're capable of. But sorry, guys, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. Some of these teams are lazy. Yeah. They're not actually looking for new talent no. or they're not even looking for exi- existing nah, they talent. they just go online and see who's got the most followers. Oh, who's, <sighs> got, who's getting followers? Who's getting... Tra- okay, that, that seems... Good. Let's put them in front of camera. But not not all the time can they do the job, unfortunately. No disrespect to anybody, but yeah. this is the truth. Of course. Okay, so this is a good point to say what have been some of the challenges that you've had to overcome, especially working in the TV industry. All right, I would say, first of all, um, speech... I had to really train my mouth to be able to speak in a clear manner 
without stammering, but also um, dropping the accent. I think sometimes I still do um, have a few parts of my vernacular that are maybe not the most uh, identifiable with the Queen's English. Um, I think then after that, the second thing was making that transition. I remember when the whole SBTV thing happened, people were coming up to me in the streets and stuff. And because of my history at first, I was like, yo, hello, yo. <laughs> like, are you coming up to me because of the show? Or is it because of something that's happened in my previous past? Where right. I'm, or who is someone I'm associated with? So my whole paranoia was on was on a hundred. Yeah. Um, and then I would say... Third thing was adjusting to the industry, understanding that there's a lot of um, empty smiles and empty fa side face kisses. Oh gosh, um, yeah. I didn't understand about the, uh, the, 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 the fake nature of the industry that can sometimes be there. Yeah. Um, I came from a background where, you know, you kind of held up and you were, were nice and loving towards people you, you, you liked. Yeah. But then I had to quickly understand that sometimes people in this industry would do that, but actually will then go and speak about you behind your back or wherever it might be. And actually the just don't like you anyway. Yeah. So I was like, so I had to say to myself, Aaron, okay, I understand where you are. You know, you're in the industry. There may be some people who are not the most genuine. Let's just learn to navigate and maneuver. Um, after that, uh, Jeez. yeah, <laughs> this is real. I'm being real. This is, I'm, yeah. taking, I'm taking you through how I, the things that I had to kind of like battle. Uh, another thing that I was thinking about as well is how I'm going to be perceived now where I'm from. Oh. Like at the time, they, think about it, black male presenters, who were they? Mm, like, you true. know what I mean? Um, pre presenting was something that was more, uh, it was more identifiable or more uh, understood to be something that was associated with females. Yeah, true. Um, it was Very more, true. It was more a female craft. And now I've gone into this thing where I've come, I've gone from being someone who was, you know, um, you know, I wasn't like a biggest, baddest man in the hood, but like, I'm someone that was around the man them that, you know, I was known to be the screw face. You, that was, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You still was, have that occasional <laughs> screw face. Yep. That wasn't, you know. That resting screw yeah, face. Yeah, God forgive me. And then, um, <laughs> and then now you, you, they're seeing me like jovial on the screens. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, are people going to think I'm soft now? Oh my gosh, yeah, really? Yeah, that's what was well, young, younger, isn't it? You know, are you sure? Younger. Yeah, not, I'm, now I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> to I'm, be fair, I wear a pineapple suit next to you on on WhatsApp TV. <laughs> to be fair, I had man messaging me saying, "Yo, what going for this though?" Like, <laughs> what? No, nah, nah, okay, all right, cool. It's your thing still, but just, don't make them do. Don't, don't make, well, they made you do that. I'm like, no, no one made me. I did it myself. Oh all right, my let's God. just check him, car. Don't make them do make you do nothing in our car. <laughs> We, we still got you over here, you know. We still got you on this side. Oh I'm like, all right, gosh. my bro. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't care about that, though. And I told him all the time, bro, I'm probably going to do more stuff like that. Don't worry about yeah. it. Like, um, it's, and it's only going to be within my remit of, of what course. I feel comfortable with. But um, yeah, that was another thought for me as well. And then after that, the biggest challenge was, okay, Aaron, what are you doing? Mm. Like, how do we do this presenting thing? Like, I didn't know what I was doing. So, Did you, so you had a little bit of imposter syndrome? Yeah, so I was like, what am I doing? So, I, but then I, do you know, what I realized, and I said this to Reggie as well. I was like, I didn't realize, but I was watching the Reggies, the Ferns, the Makitas, yep. the Jane, uh, Jane, sorry, Junes, um, the Dermots. And for years, without realizing it, I was taking mental notes of presenting. Yeah. And so when it came to me now, I, I was like, what am I doing? But then I was like, okay, let me think about what I know and what I've seen. And I started thinking about that. I didn't really emulate anybody, but I started to understand what I thought was good about them. So for instance, Derma is very seamless. Mm. 
Dermot will transition from a little dance routine with the backing dancers to be welcome to the X Factor and live, and it's just like it's just seamless. Yeah, um, I would see Reggie, and I would, I would, I would, I would notice the way that Reggie had the ability to talk to anybody, and he did so through good listening. Yeah, um, Louis, Louis understood the 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 importance of of um, of silence in between, or the importance of giving people time to answer a question, even if they haven't answered it yet. Still, stay silent. Let them answer that question because he he treats it like a science yeah and so all these people that i'm watching it's like i had noticed the things that they had done and so i was like okay aaron boom we need to learn how to do this so every single interview for me was a learning curve definitely it was learning i remember like after doing like kelly i think i did like eastenders down at albert square wow. and then i did like lebron james Oof. the biggest basketball player probably arguably you know like yeah ever and then it's like i'm like raw like roach you're having to learn but you ain't got, really got no time to like yeah you're doing it at, you know what i mean it's like oh boom you're on a red carpet for eva longoria as a um ball gown event i'm like yeah Bro. you know what i mean lot. it's like yeah it's a lot i had to look but sometimes i say to people do you know what sometimes just being thrown into the deep end and learning to swim sometimes it's the best way and that's the thing i think as well sometimes you can't actually learn what we're doing nah it is something that has to come from within you yeah, yeah, and yeah. you have to want to do it. hundred. So I ask you, Aaron, mm -hmm. why do you want to do what you do? I think this is the honest truth now. Initially, why I wanted to do this is that I had a really burning desire within me to show that you could be from a certain type of area background and you can rub shoulders with the most elite in society and also be taken uh, seriously and respected as a creative or as a professional um, at the highest level, even though you're from somewhere like Harlesden, Northwest 10, Northwest London. Um, that was the, the initial burning desire for me in terms of what I had. It then kind of also transmitted into um, realizing that I had a lot of people that were kind of uh, depending on me to be a represent a representative of them. Okay. So that came into my pressure as well. Is that for like young black boys? Young black men, uh, people from my area. Yeah. Um, like a lot of um, uh, black women. Um, yeah. They they really want me to win so that I can show their their young black men, their sons that you know there there are alternative ways to success yeah. um, or even just to achievement. Um, and then I think now with getting into the factual world, something that me and Reggie Yates talk about um, is uh, impacting change, positively positively impacting change or positively impacting impacting people yeah um and i really I, I feel really lucky because i've been able to do productions that have had moralistic and um and i would say a, a socio-political impact um in terms of their content that could actually be used like a lot of schools have like of like um uh shown my my documentaries wow. uh, a lot of colleges a lot of people in general have sat their children down to watch them like eight years old and smuggling drugs yeah. and you That's know powerful man and the thing is to, to step into doing factual i had to leave my job as a behavior specialist and i felt so bad because those young men and women have so much inconsistency in their life yeah. i did not want to be inconsistent as well but it became too conflictive and I had to go and film what I was filming. But then I feel 
happy because at least they can see look what i'm doing now and i'm doing yeah. this for you also please watch them yeah the same things that i was talking to them about in the classes the same things that i'm saying i'm no different of a person and, they, and, and I, th- I think they appreciate that yeah well, mr bridgman's talking the same and he was talking to us like <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah. like it's the same thing so it's like um i had to step away from that role but i feel like now someone said this to me as well they said no now i'm doing that role on a much wider scale oh gosh where hopefully yes. a lot more younger people um can take uh take note and maybe learn something from what i'm doing in terms of these shows and hopefully it can maybe create some change of thought change of mind in terms of their approach to life aaron you're gonna make me cry yes i'm getting kind of emotional <laughs> there myself. that it's was so mad emotional hey. like honestly someone play some drill or something let me <laughs> let me get back into my team <laughs> You're so silly. But do you know what? That is so powerful. And especially for men trying to get into the industry. Um, You did mention some, oh my gosh, like my faves as well. Reggie Yates. Sounds like your brethren's on a whole new level. Um, Dermot O'Leary, Louis Threw. Oh my gosh, like Louis is the ultimate. That's your brethren. You met him and and you were doing that conversation. (laughs) No, no, no. We're not brethren. No, I literally sat next to him in like, what was it? Pret or something. Oh, Leon's. It was Leon's. He was enjoying his Leon. I was like, sorry, Louis, can I just say you're amazing? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Come on, man, you got to do it. Literally, I had to. That was a moment. But um, you've mentioned that there's, I mean, that's a handful yeah. of men. But it's changing more. I think YouTube's changed it a lot more in terms of seeing different types of men yeah. on the screen. But do you think there is an issue with the amount of men, particularly black men, on the screen? I, I've noticed it's getting better. Yeah, I've noticed it's getting better, um, but I feel well. This is from my personal experience. Um, I feel like they still struggle with uh, knowing where to place us generally. Right. I think the only presenter, black male presenter, that we've had in this country who's been taken on a general basis, where it's like, look, he's just a presenter who can present, is probably Reggie. Yeah. Like for me in my in my in my situation, like it's you look at all of my productions that I've done as a factual presenter on national TV. Yeah. And they've all been they've all got a few right, let's go through the names. One punch killers. Yeah. When teens kill. Yeah. Uh Vigilante Britain Street Justice. Eight years old and smuggling drugs. Yeah. When kids kill. There's a theme. To catch a criminal. Yeah. On BBC, uh, you match the description, stop and search. Yeah. It's all crime related. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ungrateful. And I'm, I think it's great that you're doing that. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not ungrateful, but yeah. it's like, all right, now it's time for you to see me as just a presenter who can present anything Definitely. and like put me in Peru with some native people yeah. who have um, an amazing natural way that's been traditional to their communities for hundreds of years. Uh, that is something that's amazing that we can explore and, you know, put me anywhere. I'd love to see you do that. But I think <laughs> there still is a... Uh, there's still a difficulty in them seeing a a black male presenter. In my case, who has a bit of an edge still. Like yeah. I do, I do speak well. Um, I think, but um, I, I've got an edge. Whereas some of the other black presenters that I've seen, who I'm who I'm very proud to see on TV, they might they're more newsreaders and yeah, uh, and you know they you know they sound you know they 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 got a very very good speaking speaking voice like yeah. very very good. Very, very I'm good thinking like English. Melvin Odoom. Um, oh yeah, he's good. Ricky, oh, yeah. Ricky. Okay. Melvin, but Melvin, Ricky. Should, but Melvin should have so much more. He should, yeah. I think Melvin is brilliant. You know? He is, yeah. 
Melvin is a brilliant presenter. Why yeah. has he not got one of his own shows? Why is he not doing celebrity? Yeah. No, no offense to Ian Sterling. No, it's true. Ian yeah, Ian Sterling. Yeah, it's no true. offense to him. Great voice, but Melvin's brilliant. He's hilarious. But as I think well. they struggle. And I remember meeting Jay Hunt, who used to run Channel Four, ran the right. BBC, mass- a lady who used yeah. to run a lot of the biggest channels in our country. And I remember she told me I struggled to get Idris Elba casted as Lufa. Wow. Because the BBC as a whole could not understand how we could have a national show that had a black male lead. Of course not. Idris Elba. <laughs> Rolling my eyes. So if Idris Elba couldn't be seen as the leading character for a drama on national TV, what chance does Aaron Roach Bridgman have? You know what I mean? These things kind of like yeah. um, sometimes give you a little bit of pessimism. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I think we're getting there. Yeah. And I just, and I, I really want to be part of the tr- the, tr- the transcension. That's a word, isn't it? Ooh. Transcension. That's a word, isn't <laughs> ooh, it? Really? Ooh. Yeah. I want to be part of the transcension <laughs> of where a you know, a young presenter of colour who has a little bit of an urban edge or whatever it might, whatever you want to call it, can actually now be seen just as a presenter. Yeah. And that's one of the things that is very important to my journey. If I if I can't, if I do that by the time I leave this, then my job is done. Because I yeah. realise that my journey is not about me. It's about what comes next. Of course. It's what I lay as a foundation for who come next. So if the next Aaron and Ramel from North and Northwest London have to struggle as hard as we have, to get into where we to, to what we do, we haven't done our job properly. Exactly that. Simple as that. Exactly that. Exactly that. All right, that's a great point to ask. What should someone that is starting out in the TV industry know before they start their career? Like, what can they prepare themselves for, or what do they need to pre- like to start considering now? It's going to sound mad, but they need to know who they are. Okay. You you need to know who you are as a presenter, as a creative as an individual if you know who you are then the rest of your journey becomes easy like i made a conscious decision to drop roach man and to use aaron roach bridgman because i realized i need to be myself and i said to myself and i remember saying this i said look if this works and i'm being myself then i can just be myself forever i remember saying that to myself when i was younger if it works i can just be myself yeah and so that's what i did but you need to know who you are as well what do you stand for what is your um what are you passionate about um, what are you good at? I think yeah. a lot of people have abilities and they don't realise it could be a USP. Yeah. I told someone the other day, you could be really good at collecting stamps. You might think that's boring or it's silly, but you could actually have a whole series about stamp collecting and there's other people that like stamp collecting. 100. That's I'll watch theme. it, you know. Yeah. Just because. So it's just like, <laughs> what is what is it that you are good at or you have a passion about and who are you? Mm. Like one thing that I see in this industry is that I think some people unfortunately got trapped in having the alter ego um, trying okay, to come yeah. into this industry, and yeah. then they and then they fight for the 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 the, 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 the last two thirds of their career trying to rid of that alter ego. Definitely, because the alter ego worked at the start, but then like they realize I want to be myself, but no one cares about you, and things they are want, always changing. They want the alter ego. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like know who you are and bring that man. Definitely. Ugh. Okay, you're on a roll, Aaron. So this <laughs> is where I'm going to ask you, what are your top five tips Oof. to make it? in the mainstream all right (laughs) (laughs) i think i'll have to say number one is research man like be comfortable get acquainted with research and that could be research in terms of who you're going to meet that could be research in terms of um, the kind of program you want to do that could be research in terms of the person that you might be interviewing research needs to be your best friend Mm. you need to be able to be a person that can research well 
find out about the people who you're going to speak to or whatever the topic or whatever it might be is and be able to almost like they used to teach us in school when you do comprehension you have to read the um the uh <laughs> you have to read the um the text and yeah. then be able to answer questions about it or be able to write a paragraph about it that's what you need to do yep. because research is so important and people appreciate it people respect it definitely i think it's been a major part of my my career where people are like well, how the hell does he yes how did you know that you about know me that? Nah, you gotta go deep with the research <laughs> um second tip in terms of what to do in making it in the mainstream i think is something that i struggled with for a long time you might not know this is uh confidence and believing in yourself yeah um i was saying to someone actually i think it was yesterday or the day before that i think it's only been within the last two to three years that i have got to the point where I can say that, do you know what? I know that I am good at what I do and I have full confidence in myself. It took me a very long time. Yeah. I've been doing this for like how long now? Like, you know, what, eight years or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's only within the last two to three that I'm like, yes, I know what I'm doing. Yes, I've got on stage or in front of cameras and still done my thing, but I've still have, I haven't been fully confident in myself. Yeah. So yes, confidence and belief in yourself. Please have that. It's very important. It doesn't come overnight, but build towards that, man, because that belief in yourself is what carries you to the next level. Yeah. Third, you need to be prepared for anything. Okay. I was talking to Ty Logan the other day, who's like an um, online personality. He's like, I want to be like you, my brother. Like, I want to get on TV. I'm saying, just make sure you're ready. He's like, huh? Like, just make sure you're ready because it's going to come at the least expected time. But just make sure you're ready. So I say to people, be prepared for anything and just make sure you're ready because you might think that you've got a plan. By the end of the year, I'm going to get my first opportunity on TV. No, it's going to come <laughs> maybe next week. Yep. But you just got to make sure you're prepared for that. Yeah, mentally. Mentally, you have to be prepared for when it comes because the thing is, when you get these opportunities, they come once. If we mess them up, you can lose them yeah. because people will just think, okay, well, that we tried with him, but he didn't really work. I, when I got One Punch Killers, bro, listen, I got into a next level of focus. Wow. I was like, this, I need to kill this. Yeah, but you said you the me? same thing for the SBTV yeah. thing as well. It's like that next level yes. up. You have to have yeah. it. And it's like, I think it comes from like struggling for so long. It's like when you struggle for so long, you're like, well, I got an opportunity now. I need to kill this, you know. <laughs> but like, no, it's just that, that level of focus that you take. And um, that's, I think it's very important. All right. Fourth tip for getting breaking into the mainstream, what you need to be doing. Know what's going on. Mm. Like, know what's going on. Know what's going on up, uh, elsewhere to what you're doing um, around whatever it is you're interested in. So if you want to do factual like me, know what's going on in factual. Yeah. Be abreast of all other factual presenters. Yeah. Um, even sometimes, maybe even see if you can reach out and have some sort of connection with them. Like another factual presenter who I think is um, breaking through as one of the new leading factual presenters in the country is Livy Haydock. Um, that's me and Livy are friends now. Like we became friends. We've sat down and had some really like uh, close, intimate and emotional meetings. Um, intimate? Yeah. Intimate <laughs> like, as in like we're sharing some really like. Okay. Had to check. Yeah. Now we're sharing some really like quite close to the heart, like things about how we feel like you yeah. know, bearing it. You know what I mean? In her case, I she won't mind I'm saying this, but Livy um, struggled with understanding like trolls. Like mm. why are they trolling me in this kind of way? Gosh. What do I do, Aaron? What should I say to them? Like, <laughs> Lock. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so. Like we reached out and we speak and she's incredibly talented and I, I know she's going to do big things. But like, yeah, so be abreast of what else is going on. Yeah. Um, no TV. Like, you can't want to make TV and not know what's happening in TV. Yeah. You need to know, know who people are in TV, know what, know what they've created, yeah. get to get to learn about production companies and what they've done. Maybe reach out to them and create some connections with them. Be in the know of that which you want to do. Definitely. That is number four. Um, and number five. Number five. 
Um, it's going to sound mad and it kind of relates to number two, I think. But I think it's very, but it's very important for you to be yourself. Oh, no, that's different. It's different yeah. to being confident. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Number five is very important for you to be yourself. I know it sounds easy. I mean, I know it sounds uh, uh, trivial, cliche, cliche, trivia, cliche or trivial. Yeah. Like, but it's very important for you to be yourself. Um, I think, especially if you're talking about presenting here, because like mainstream yeah. presenting, it's like, I think a lot of times people want to be a character yeah. when, ca when the camera turns on. Yo, that gets laborious, yo. <laughs> like, if you I'm can't being, keep it yeah, up, if you don't can't bother. Keep up, it gets laborious. Like me and Remy, when the cameras turn off, it's the same thing. It's probably worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're definitely we're, worse with Aaron. Yeah, we're he does not more stop. fun. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, but if me and Rem were doing that and being fake and generally didn't like each other, it's gonna be a long time. Oh my goodness. Do you know what I mean? So being yourself is important, man. Like, do you know how much fun you can have when you can be yourself and you're actually, I know, getting paid to yeah. be yourself. Not that's about getting paid, but I mean having a job where you can be yourself and have fun with it. It's it's amazing. Yeah. And also people will resonate with someone who they can see is genuine and authentic. Um even the other day I was at BBC and the lady was saying, oh, like my family loves you. Like there's something about you. And I was like, I've got no idea what you're talking about because people <laughs> in my family don't even like me. But, <laughs> but I think what it is, is that when I'm on that camera, I don't even care about the camera. I'm doing what I would do in the situations when I used to work with families yeah. and work with young people. I'm doing exactly the same thing. I'm speaking in exactly the same way. And that's because I am being myself. Being yourself holds validity. So please do not ever doubt how much impact that can have. That's number five. Well, speaking of yourself yeah. being amazing. Oh, please. <laughs> what can we expect from for the rest of 2020? Do you know what? It's, oh my Lord. I, I really hope for it to have been so much more set in stone. But, all right, some of the things that I do know. Well, right now I'm developing with BBC um, my next um, project with them. Jeez. We got to the stage of final development and commission and then it got scrapped um, completely. Oof, that's um, hard. Because at the BBC, there's a lot of um, stages that you have to go through <laughs> to get something commissioned. There's a lot of different teams and people that have to say yes. Um, but it's cool because apparently, according to my producer, BBC like you. Okay. Um, so I, that's for me, that's a little bit, that's it. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, liking is very... Nice. Yeah, liking <laughs> is uh, it's a very... Uh, Are you, you going to pay me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I can like something all day, but am I going to invest into it? But um, yeah. anyway... Um, also, randomly, I'm going to be doing something with uh, Fern Cotton <gasps> in the summer. Yeah. Also, what's up, TV, baby? Yeah, man. Obviously, you know, me and, Rem me and Rem are always working on that. Yeah. Make sure you check up on that and watch that because it's the greatest show on TV. It um, is. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've got a Brexit documentary as well, but um, I can't tell yes. you guys when it's going to be out for you guys to watch because it's going into loads of festivals and screenings first. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a feature-length documentary. It's like about an hour and a half, you know. Is it? It's mad. I went all around the country. I was in Sheffield. I was in Northern Ireland and in Belfast. That's and it. I was all around and like really getting into grips with how Brexit will affect our healthcare and the NHS. It's a very <sighs> deep one. Yeah. Um, still no answers there. No one knows what Brexit's going to do. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, the festival with um, Fern Cotton is called a Happy Place Festival. Beautiful. Um, so look out for that as well. I'll be hosting on that. Sick. And just working, man. We're working hard at the moment. Um, I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get onto radio as well, you know. Is it? All so right. Well, you know, we we'll got to talk about yeah, that then. We'll see, you know? we'll see what happens. We're trying to make that one work. Um, but yeah, just working, man. Look out for what I'm doing, man. Like, 
look out for me and Rem doing our thing. Definitely. And just support um UK talent. Um, you know what I mean? UK talent that has built itself from the underground and taken it to the mainstream. There you go. You know what I mean? It's not an easy process. So support it. Thank you, man. Honestly, it's it's a pleasure watching you absolutely kill it. Like every time you have a show, I'm like 100% behind it. And everyone should be as well because your journey is incredible and you just keep on pushing it. Taking yeah. to new levels. So, guys, I've loved speaking with Aaron Roach Bridgman. Aaron, let everyone know where they can find you, follow you. Um, Aaron Roach Bridgman across all socials. Um, it's Aaron Roach Bridgman on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and it's A Roach Bridgman on Twitter. Amazing. Well, you have been with me, Ramel London, on the mainstream. Thank you so much, Aaron. And thank you guys for listening. Make sure you follow at Ramel underscore London and make sure you follow at the mainstream UK. Hashtag as well the mainstream. Make sure.